Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. All right, hello and welcome to Startup Business Q&A episode 190. Thank you very much for joining us on, of course, Instagram, on Facebook and over on LinkedIn as well. Uh, it's good to be here and, uh, well, it's been an interesting week, right? A lot of us have gone through a lot and uh, I think even compared with last week, so much has changed. So, look, so many people and I'm like, like literally six, or, for me so many, so six or seven a day are asking questions about working remotely, selling remotely, things like that. And uh, without question, it's a lot of sense in having this kind of topic here. So rather than put it to a poll this week, uh, I decided to focus on um, the question of focusing on your business at home. Uh, I have clients who uh, are doing a face-to-face kind of business, but also those who sell remotely anyway. And um, just getting some uh, questions along those lines. So if you're watching live right now, do pop in uh, the comments, hashtag team live. Uh, or if you're watching later, hashtag team replay. Let me know where you're watching from as well. Uh, and I think it's very interesting because um, there's a mixed bag of reactions from those uh, I've, I've been in touch with the last few days on how they're handling uh, the coronavirus, specifically in terms of their business. And um, some people simply are going to be in a more difficult place because they're in the kind of industry that's uh, kind of hamstrung by it. Those that run events, those that are, you know, public speakers, for instance, they're always going to have a bit of a difficult time with it. But there's, <clears throat> it doesn't mean it's all over. And there are certainly things that can be done. And what I have found is that there's, um, there's a lot of interesting innovation. So I want to discuss this today. If you have a question about uh, working remotely, working from home, selling, selling remotely, as in how you're going to operate when you're not interfacing with people uh, in real life, then that's really the topic. So do pop something in the comments for me. Um, and I do think that uh, we've got a couple of questions here already. Uh, there's going to be quite a lot there here that can be of value. Um, there is a bit of a notice and you probably expected this to be coming anyway. Uh, sadly, uh, the uh, Entrepreneur Business Live Miami event, which was 16th of April, uh, it, it's, it would, would borderline, um, uh, it would have been a bad idea to continue running it. And obviously with things like travel um, uh, restrictions in place, I wouldn't potentially even be able to get over there anyway. So. Uh, Entrepreneur Business Live Miami is postponed till probably the autumn, the fall, if you're in America right now. Um, as uh, And it's the same for Entrepreneur Business Live Amsterdam and the uh, subsequent two uh, London events we have as well. So uh, the short version is um, postponed until further notice because the truth is... Um, Things may peak and fall within six weeks or they might peak and fall within three months. It might be that the whole of 2020 is us experiencing a much more extreme version of what we've got right now. So with that in mind, um, there's no sense in um, making, uh, you know, putting, putting things in place. So I think within about 36 hours, we'd sold a third of all the tickets sold. We, we, we uh, you know, people had taken up a third of all the tickets for Miami. So like 60 people had signed up within a day and a half. Um, and some had donated as well. 
excuse me, all of those things will be valid and they will, they will be simply carried over and, uh, uh, and put in place when we go to Miami uh, when it runs back. But notionally, on the basis things settle and, and uh, the world gets back to something representing normal services and essentially we're allowed to travel and be in uh, places all together again, well then of course uh, we will have these events and ideally the autumn, but no one here really knows what they're, what they're talking about. So we're gonna have to wait and see. Um, so thank you everyone for their patience. Um, there isn't a virtual event. A few people have asked about this, if there's gonna be a virtual one instead, uh, that's not the case. Um, however, you never know, there might be, might be something different uh, that we do anyway. So, you know, that's, that's really topical with the idea of um, people deciding to uh, not do face-to-face -face, um, uh, uh, meetings and get-togethers and, and networking, things like that. So I, I, feel it's, I feel it's very interesting to see how people are handling this, if this is their bread and butter. Uh, I actually made the pivot last year, <clears throat> as you know, in, in December, where Entrepreneur Business Live events but they weren't my bread and butter anyway, but they became fully for charities. There's no commercial commercial upside directly from the events uh, that I'm getting. So there's no money going to me. All money generated from any form with those events now goes directly to uh, local charities. So um, it would be a shame to not continue them in some capacity. <clears throat> so we'll have to see how that looks. But right now, um, we're in an interesting time. So uh, what I would say, um, um, I do think that there's a lot of, I mean, probably everyone here is experiencing this, there's a lot of interesting um, things being said uh, by a lot of different people. And my opinion, which I think is worth, uh, is worth um, stating here, my opinion is you should be very careful about the amateur virologists out there. These are the people who decide they know how viruses spread and how, how it all works and, and what's going to happen. Be very careful paying attention to them. As is always the case, you should be listening only to experts. Someone who is a, um, someone who knows how viruses work because they've studied and understand them. They're the kind of people you should be listening to about how this kind of thing spreads um, because there's a lot of nonsense going on. And, and you know, one example being, you know, people are asking for antibiotics and viruses aren't affected by antibiotics, for instance. It's just absurd things like that. At the very least, though, I hope everyone is trying to stay safe and you're not too affected by it all. Um, those of you who are, are coming into contact with it and um, uh, let's see how things progress. Um, let's crack on, though. Um, so bad news for the time being for Miami and Amsterdam and London Entrepreneur Business Live events. Of course, they will return uh, when it is appropriate to do so. Um, if you have any questions over on LinkedIn, let me know for uh, this focus on re working remotely or uh, in terms of uh, how you're gonna do your selling. I do wanna do some shout outs on Facebook. So Karen Cooper watching from Staten Island, nice to see you here. Uh, Diana uh, Noyan as well from uh, Melbourne. Uh, wow, a load of you on uh, Instagram. So Creative NZ Getting from New Zealand. Let us know where you're watching from, by the way. Star Lindy is watching, uh, Roxy Velez. Absoluriske, I think is your name there. Kate Parker, good to see you. You're like 10 minutes up the road. It's nice to see you here. Hope you're well, uh, possibly under lockdown, who knows. Uh, internationally loved, nice to see you here. Uh, Tima El Haj, watching from Melbourne as well. Sir Richard, nice to see you here too. And uh, Sir Savage underscore 503 and Estefani0910. These are the uh, the wonderful people of Instagram. Roxy Velez from Germany. Creative NZ, yes, from New Zealand. I'm pleased to see I got that right. And Rosalind Waters. Over on LinkedIn, who have we got here? Uh, James Thompson, 
Jonathan Featherstone, uh, Cohen Dealman, uh, David Moore's here too, uh, Marcus Murray watching from Ontario too. Uh, <laughs> David Moore, by the way, great, great second name. Good chap. We're probably related somewhere. David Moore has rightly said the latest online gossip is that bananas can protect or cure you from COVID-19. I mean, that's the point. If you're getting your advice from someone who's not a virologist about how to handle a virus, then you're, uh, you're, you're the kind of person that's panicking about the wrong kind of thing. So just be careful. Bosley Waters, nice to see you on Instagram from London. Excellent stuff, representing the UK. All right, so let's get in some questions. <clears throat> Andrew Silito is here as well. Looking forward to being on your podcast really soon, my man. Thank you very much. Uh, for jumping in. So, first question, where are we? James Thompson, fulfillment specialist at Atom Supplies, good to see you here. Your question, let me get rid of this, there we go. Your question is, what would you say about looking for a job at this moment in time? Let's be really clear, we're not able to do the face-to-face -face thing as much. Job interviews might be a bit more difficult. If I was looking for a job right now, I would be the place where probably more eyeballs are, are um, paying attention, which is online. This is the beauty of online is, apart from metaphorically speaking, online is an exceedingly sterile place, okay? <laughs> Unless you like watching filth. I do think that online is a wonderful place to be um, if you want to solve a lot of problems. And whatever business you are in, it is um, absurd to not at least consider or entertain how the online component can serve you. It's fascinating saying this out loud because it was 2003, 17 years ago, that I was kind of saying it um, to business owners. And that wasn't for virus reasons, it was because people were like, come on man, really, the internet? But the point is everyone's there now. <clears throat> In addition to that, or think about all those people who would be otherwise meeting or interfacing face-to-face, -face, having meetings and so on, not doing it. I feel that there's so, that much more time probably being spent online, that much more attention, that many more eyeballs. If I was looking for a job right now, James, I would actively be looking on, on LinkedIn at the kind of people who can employ me, thinking about the things I can offer in a role, and of course optimize the profile, but more importantly, I'd be saying to myself, who are the kind of people I could be con connecting to, and what does that need to look like? You know, you have six to 600 million on there, and whilst not all of them will hire you, at the same time, there's plenty that can be done that way. The consideration also is what kind of uh, skill set have you got that might be translated into an online kind of role because without question if I, if I'm, I'm making a bit of a guess but the conjecture is probably fairly on point that if I was in hiring right now in a business that has is trying to have headcount for desks maybe that might be either on freeze or probably being in a position where you're going to be on freeze because people aren't a lot of businesses like to hibernate and lock down when things like this kind of things like this happen. So you may find if you're looking for the kind of job where you're in an office or with people, at the very least, they're not going to be focusing on that necessarily right now. Again, that's a lot of conjecture there. But are there online versions or variants of whatever it is you're looking to do? That might be something to consider. But without question, this isn't spamming. This is meaningful 
connections with people, but how many people per day can you have meaningful conversations with? Start getting in, in touch and take it from there. Um, you know, who could employ you? Who could influence those who might employ you? Get the ball rolling. Start the conversation by message. Connect with people in places like LinkedIn. Pivot into phone call, a, a, a video call, for instance, and then suddenly we're moving to a place where actually you're starting speaking to people um, about real opportunities. And you know, there's there's a lot of agility I'm seeing. I was speaking to someone only earlier today who's asking about my training and saying, "Well, why doesn't what does your training need to look like if it was maybe video based instead?" It's like great idea, you know. So I think there's a lot of There'll be a lot of changes culturally in how people decide to do business long term, but also that may affect the, the immediate term as well. Here's what I'd say. If you're looking for a job now and right now you don't know how long we've got of this lockdown, by the way, in two months time, it could be like you can't leave the house kind of thing. Who knows? So if you work on the basis like I, I'm working on the basis that 2020 might be shut down. I've something I've thought about if it's shut down completely this year. So what does it need to look like? And and. So then the online component is a very important factor. That's something I would be thinking about a lot. I could go on all night about this, but I would be looking at engaging with people. Everyone still has um, mobiles. Everyone still has internet and everyone is spending a lot of time there. We did anyway, but it's even more the case because people, I'm seeing an uptick in interest in, in people asking me to help them with their LinkedIn. I've seen more people buying my LinkedIn course. I've seen more people asking me about how to connect and sell online. So there's an interesting uptick there because people are saying, do you know what, where can I operate? And, 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 and online is an interesting space for that. So I hope that helps. Great question to kick us off. Jack Gaze from The Man in London, good to see you here. Right now is such a good time for meaningful relationship building. Yeah, it's, it's not like we've all got downtime. But what's 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 so crucial to understand is that probably that it's a very good use of your time if you were otherwise commuting, but now aren't. Maybe that dead time where you're you're going to take an hour each way on a train, or you're going to go to a conference, or you're going to go to whatever, and that's being cancelled, could be leveraged very meaningful meaningfully with engaging, in fact, with the same people you would have otherwise meet, but, but on, in an online way. And look, I, I made a post about this um, uh, a couple of days ago. It, it doesn't have to be that your connection with someone hasn't, hasn't got much, um, uh, you know, kind of real interface to it, because actually you can do a video call and you get so much from them. There's a reason why this isn't just audio or I haven't typed uh, my feelings on on these kind of the questions I get. The reason I do it like video like this is because you have an opportunity to connect with me a lot more. The dynamics are there. You have a sense of who I am, and and it's just that much more um, engaging than text, for example. So um, just think about that. You've got video calls. You've got people who are online you can engage with, and they're all there. They really are all there. Okay. So there's a lot of people flooding in with um, Instagram. If you're watching right now, do add where you're watching from and how hashtag team replay or team live based on if you're watching it in the past or in the future rather or right now if uh, shout out as well to those who are listening on the podcast in the future and also if you uh, have missed any of this on instagram you can watch the igtv episode a bit later today let's scroll down a bit on on uh, linkedin uh, jonathan fezstone good to see you here cohen dealman would love to see how you divide your daily schedule this is actually more relevant than you realize for many uh, cohen thank you for that because one thing people have been asking about is like like discipline 
and structure when it comes to working at home. And work from home, for many, is, is a reaction of like, ah, oh, that could be fun, you know, I get to be at home, the fridge is that much closer, uh, you know, the commute is 12 steps, as people say. But the truth is, um, and, and I've done it for fully, I've done it for like seven years now, the commute is exceed. sorry, the, not commute, the, the, the work from home thing was exceedingly difficult to start with. I'd like to think of myself as a structured, disciplined person, but you have to be very disciplined. And one, one thing is for sure, um, is there's certain things that really help at home. And, and, I, and I'm talking about um, having a sense of routine. And actually a psychologist um, on a news channel I was watching last week, talking about work from home and saying, if you're on lockdown, even if you're not working from home, do not just sit watching telly. You know, it's it's not week on week of, of, of Netflix binging. It could, it's a really good idea to have some structure and routine to your day because truthfully, you will struggle after a while up here if you're not uh, thinking about what your day, daily routine looks like. So if you're in a lockdown or if you're working from home, um, <clears throat> her advice was fantastic, which was, Get into clothes, don't sit in pyjamas all day, um, eat well, get exercise anyway. You can still exercise at home or get in your garden. You can still get fresh air, get vitamin D, but also think about what your daily routine looks like. So those days of the week where I work from home, in current, I wanna answer in, in that respect. My daily schedule is, uh, I, I run through the day on a normal office hours day, if you'd, ex if you'd imagine, although I dabble a bit in the evening as well. And I'm really careful to make sure I have some routine, including what I call time islands. So a time island is like an immovable amount of time set in certain days and at certain times where set things are gonna happen. In the same way as in the morning between half eight and 10 to nine, I have, uh, I'm walking my children to school. I do the school run every day that I'm, I'm here, as opposed to, um, uh, obviously if I can't, if I, if I get getting into London or something like that, but I will, I will have a time island of half eight to 10 to nine is when I'm walking the children to school. That's immovable, it's non-negotiable, I'm doing that at that time. On a Monday at this time, I'm here for 190 consecutive weeks, with the exception of a couple when I, at one point when I was having an operation, for instance, I, I'm always here. It is a time island. It's an immovable body in this sea of kind of fluidity of stuff that can happen throughout a week. One thing that I've really found, Cohen, is that if I have set things that, you know, throughout the week like this, they're immovable objects, it means that whilst rigidity is not always great, because sometimes you do need to be flexible, in truth, you can really win by having set things like that because it means they get done. You know, it really does. And I think um, the reason why I don't book stuff at half eight in the morning is because I know I've got that time island of going to school. And in fact, more recently, and it's almost every single time, I now take the children to school with my wife. So we go together because when we drop them off to school, we then go for a walk. We do it every single day we can because then we have some time, she and I, together. So that's now a time island. And so I don't start work until I get back from that. So that's a set amount of time as well. Just like you might, in an office job, you might have a set time for lunch. Or for instance, I have time islands for the gym. 
Um, there's also timelines for different things. I do it for email. I do it for social media engagement. So I'm actually very intentional about that. I have set times in the day where I go in to find certain people I really like the content of, check it out, en engage with it, and then leave. So I never sit there thumbing through social because the, you know that's not necessarily entirely uh, uh, productive for me. I have set times for sales. I have set times for content creation. I have set times for um, uh, engaging with the people in my team and ecosystem. Everything's kind of, <clears throat> as much as possible, a lot of stuff set, set down like that, and it means that it gets done. Um, ultimately, I'm focused on being very outcome-based, so it does mean that sometimes you have um, uh, a lot of things that are like, um, uh, you might you might feel like there's there's some things that aren't as important as others, but I always make sure I do things that really really are going to map to uh, a result that matters for the business rather than just staying busy. So there's a lot more to it than that, but those time islands and that ideas really help. So hopefully that makes sense. Give us a thumbs up if that uh, uh, helps you a bit. Let's see if there's any more questions there. Gosh, there's a lot of you coming in. Uh, Craig Bernie Burns time islands, great idea. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Craig. Yes, it's something I. I kind of thought of it, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's done it, it's, it's similar to like blocking off time, but I, I thought of it like 2015 and, and it's, it's been something that's really helped me a great deal in making sure that my um, uh, certain things, minimums, get done each week, so keeping that productivity level nice and high. Uh, Cole Dealman, but would you, would you break your deep focus because of time limit? This is a good question, I think what Cohen's uh, asking is, if for instance I've got, um, an hour set for a certain thing, would I stop that thing if I'm in flow? And you have to take a view on it, but what I tend to find is I've got a very big task, one that's gonna take, say, three hours. I do like the idea of, of maybe breaking it up, so I do an hour and a half of the thing, and then an hour and a half, maybe another day. I do like being in flow, and what being in flow means is getting really into the groove of something, so you're not kind of jumping around too much. The, the best solution against it, I find, is not doing just what's in front of you. So if you just, a lot of people, I've spoken to a lot of businesses where, where they have this problem, and this, not the business saying this, but the people on the ground saying their issue is that they have a lot of like um, people saying, look, I've got, I've got this in front of me, so I'll do that. And then I've got this in front of me, so I'll just do that, then that, then that, then that. And they're not having any kind of sense of structure or, or discipline to it. There's a time and a place for certain things, and that, that really does work uh, very well. So what I do think is that you, it's okay to break your focus on some things because um, uh, you will potentially uh, impede your ability to complete the next thing. So if I'm really doing well on um, writing a blog, for instance, and I'm uh, in, the, in the flow and enjoying it, I could keep doing that forever, but then the problem is that other things don't have to start losing out. And, and so I don't want to necessarily do that because great, I've done lovely work in this blog post or whatever, but now the next thing has potentially uh, uh, got problems because I'm not giving it enough time. So that discipline to start is and it's just as important as the discipline to stop. Okay, so it's important to be able to say, time's up, move on to the next thing. But you know, when you plan your day, you need to be thinking to yourself, how much time do I give to these things? You know, saying, uh, I know this is for those of you who do a lot of social media marketing, and I know, I know there are many of them watching this kind of thing who do this. Um, if you have, uh, if you're gonna post, an, do an Instagram post, 
oh, that's seven minutes is the way a lot of people think about it. It's not though, it's, it's like 25 because there's all the, the thinking, the creative, then there's the hashtag and there's all the other stuff as well. There's often a lot more to it than that. So you just need to think about how much time you actually need for certain things. It's a really great question. Johnny Shearman, a uh, wonderful um, dispute resolution lawyer that I met uh, recently in on EBL London. Are you already using team collaboration software? If so, any that work well. If not, any particular reasons such as emails, calls, LinkedIn sufficient for you. So what um, Johnny's asking is are you using team, team collaboration um, uh, software? Two great examples being Slack and Trello. I was a massive fan of Trello. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm a super lean guy and the irony of too many of these um, optimization apps and things is you can end up with too much of it. And, um, and if you look at something like Slack, you can get slacked out where you actually use it so much that you're not getting on with your work. And the irony is the productivity is lessened. And I think, I think even those that are at the Slack business itself are, are giving guidelines about how much they use the thing. I don't with the team. What I have is, <clears throat> if you look at, for instance, one part of the team, there's a number of people involved, but there's one person who is like the, the interface point for that team. So I'm very one-on-one -on -one with them. <coughs> My team isn't 70 people, it's only a few. So I just work one-on-one -on -one with them and it, it means it's a lot easier. So how do we do that? That's usually by voice memo through uh, WhatsApp and we're in touch with each other that way. Um, I find that works well and I've really recruited special people who are capable of doing their thing they know their process we've got some real routine in place and so you know they there's very much they know what they need to do and they do their thing and we're in touch each day or so um and anything superfluous to that tends to not come up with me because that's for them to handle that's kind of the deal we have so that that's how it tends to work <clears throat> but i would i'm i'm a I never really got on with Slack, to be honest. I, uh, I I kind of tried it for a bit. I monetized it as well. At one point, I um, opened a um, kind of a premium group called the Entrepreneur Business Club, um, but I decided to close it and plow all of the energy and value into the Entrepreneur Business Group on Facebook instead, and that's a free one to be in, um, uh, and, and it's going really well. So, you know, it's four and a half thousand people in there now. Um, but I do, I, I'm a big fan of Trello. I like the way it, way it worked. It was very easy to kind of drop information in and so on. So that was the one that did it for me. Um, uh, so I hope, hope that helps a bit. <clears throat> but yeah, the truth is calls and voice memo has been the singular best way of keeping in touch because a voice call or a video call is often just a bit too much for a quick, wanna, wanna engage with someone, but I don't wanna sit there and tap away all the detail. So if I can just speak, I can get my point across. Voice memos have revolutionized how I engage with the team. I think they appreciate, appreciate it too, and they do the same back. So there's still email, and we all use everything, but the voice memo thing is a great way of, of nailing things down. When things need to be put in writing, I still use email though, so make sure you're aware of that. Um, I'm. I uh, am cynical about how um, useful it is just to kind of say something and that be that. It's always nice sometimes to, to write certain things down uh, with people. And the same goes for, for clients too. I use Google Drive really for my client side, Johnny. So, I, so this is a really good remote way of working <clears throat> is with, with the people I work with, everyone has like a, a Google Drive folder for their business. 
with all the different things in it. So if they want to add content or we need to interface or engage with each other, it's all done through their kind of folder on Google Drive. And that's versatile as anything for me. And that works really well. So uh, yeah, good question. Let's get into a couple of the other ones here. <clears throat> uh, Bob Lowe, in your experience, what's the best way to prioritize task and plan time when working from at home? And um, I've already mentioned the time islands concept, but one thing I, I've done a lot of, and I've mentioned this many times in the Q and A's in the past, is the CEL approach. So uh, customer or cash flow, essential, and lines of work or lines of focus. So those three things, customer or cash flow, essential, and lines of work and lines of focus. In order, the, that's the kind of the most important first, the way I structure the day. So. There are some exceptions here and there, but I tend to do cash flow and new customer acquisition related tasks first. So if there's an opportunity to close something, that will come ahead of any essential task. The E letter is essential. So, you know, if I must get an invoice out today, that will keep. I will wait. Uh, I would rather onboard a new piece of business. That has to come first. And the, the, the uh, theory behind it, this is just the way I do it, the theory behind it is, um, before all things are done, if there's an opportunity to acquire new business, I should do that first. Because if today's a write-off, there is still new money that's come in, for instance. And I think, um, you know, it, you get that back of the net feeling if you've invoiced a, a solid amount of money or you, you, you know, you've received a large amount of money that morning. It's a great way of kicking off your day. So I always put that first. That means if the day goes bad, I've still at least you know, step forward in some some respects in terms of cash flow. And most people, in my experience of working with startups for many, many years, most people put that last to the point that they don't even do any sales uh, or cash flow or new customer acquisition work sometimes for the entire day. I'm not going to ask if any of you do that, but I bet I bet you either know people who are like that or that might be yourself if you're thinking about it. Putting sales to the end of the priority list is very dangerous because sales and cash flow are the oxygen typically of most startups and most businesses. So to not do that first is crazy. There are some people out there whose admin is so on point. It's like a work of art, but it's often a bit of a, um, um, a kind of a form of procrastination. And it's a great way of looking busy and feel like feeling like you're contributing to your team, your business, or even your own company. Um, but ultimately, it's not as important as getting new sales in. If you're not getting money or customers in the door, you've not got the right priorities in the right order, in my opinion. So immediately after cash flow and a new customer acquisition sits essential stuff, stuff that's like must be done today. And that comes next. Um, and thereafter, anything else is is it to do with the lines of work I'm in and the lines of focus? Lines of work are, what does my business do? Is it related to that? And lines of focus, is it related to the things my business is doing right now? So business in general might have a certain sense of direction, but month on month or every quarter or whatever, you might have certain projects. That's your line of focus right now. So any other stuff you've got, is it related to those things? And you might think, yeah, but like there are some things that never get you never get round to. Sure. Well, then it doesn't matter because when the such such time occurs that that becomes essential. Well, then it bumps itself up the list. You know, oh man, I really need to get this thing done. OK, so now I need to get it done. It falls into the E category of essential. Otherwise, it goes further down the list. What's ridiculous is a lot of people 
are led by what's in front of you, them. And I, from discussing this with startup owners and people who are, are working for themselves, you get a lot of, I do the things that are urgent because of the fear factor or panic factor of having that in front of me. And then they continue the rest of the day by doing admin and stuff. And that stuff could probably keep. And they're actually using the best hours of their day. You know, it's like 11 in the morning when they're cerebrally at their best, perhaps. And they're just doing admin-y stuff, okay? Polishing a spreadsheet or, or putting together an invoice or something like that. And doing that at that time of the day when you could be really going hard on the, on the things that, that, you know, that really can drive the business, so innovation and things like that, means that you're putting to the back the stuff that really is gonna move it forward. So just think about that. It really is what I've observed, and so I kind of work hard against that. Hope that helps a bit. Craig Burns, leave the TV off. What good advice uh, for many. Um, I think it's just worth thinking about, you know, if, if you do feel you've got a lot of dead time, how are you gonna use it productively? This is a really interesting challenge. This is unprecedented. Some people are absolutely panicking. In 2000, I was saying this a bit earlier to someone today, in 2008, there was a high street bank here in the UK called Northern Rock. In 2008, when the crash was all happening, there were literally people queued up outside that bank and they were, trying, they were queuing up to get their money out because the bank was about to go bankrupt um, and not have any money and so they wouldn't get it out. That I understand, but to do that with toilet paper is bordering absurd because you're you, you know it's it's not like you can't survive without toilet paper treating it like it's your money for example is crazy so the reason i'm saying this is it's fascinating to see where who the innovators are um when you have these kind of moments in time and, and look we had uh, i was very fortunate in 2008 and 2007 and 2008 and onwards to you in a, in a business where the ceo was quite inspirational when he said this is the time when everything's imploding and everyone's trying to tighten their belt, this is the time when you aim to expand. And he was focused on acquisitions and things like that instead. So it was a very interesting time to see who decides to retreat and hibernate and hold down and, and hope that they can kind of manage to get through. And those who innovate and adapt and say, you know, imagine this is what the world looks like now. So how am I going to move forward? Those that complain aren't helping themselves and those that hope that something will sort itself out are relying on a strategy that, uh, of hope, which is something they can't control. It's far better to ask, as far as one can, how, what does adapting look like? And what does uh, a, a new way of doing my work look like? Or indeed, do I need to change altogether what it is I do? So there's a very interesting uh, discussion there, I suppose. Uh, Richard Lofgren here is, is, has said, Alan Kay is one of the best offline advertisers on the planet hit me up on LinkedIn. Good. Thanks, man. <laughs> I read your advert for you. Um, excellent stuff. Um, Laguna Beach for Craig Burns. Good to see you here. Um, let me know if you're watching where you're watching from right now. Karen Cooper rightly has said we need to embrace the suck. Quite right. If it sucks, get over, like, let's not get over it, but like, embrace it. This is a hard time. What you expected it was going to be easy all the time. It's been very easy up until now. Uh, we've had a very long period of uh, um, markets and um, the world being fairly straightforward for many people since 2007. That's a long time. Um, and this was due in some form 
um, and I think it, we didn't know that it was going to be this particular um, uh, form that it came in. Uh, but the question now is like, so what are you going to do? You know, work on the basis this is it. And nothing's going to change unless you decide to adapt. And that makes it very interesting. Rather than I can't do my business like this, the question you should be asking yourself is how do I do my business like this? How do I find the new way of making this thing work? Okay, let's look at one more, qu one more question. So Ian Tiska said, right now I'm in the development stage of my business and seeking a lot of back-end back -end stuff, especially if I'm forced to stay indoors for an indefinite period. By back-end stuff, I think what he means is the higher ticket sales further down his sales ladder. The ladder idea being that the lower rungs of the ladder are lower ticket, lower cost uh, uh, to buy kind of services and the, the higher up the ladder you go, the, the bigger ticket one. So that the back end stuff is the bigger ticket um, uh, products you can do at home. You've discussed pre-selling services I have in the past, but what does that look like for higher ticket items? So five or six figure services. Virtual meetings make sense and not coming into contact is easy, but it's the process I'm struggling with most. My line of work is app development, focusing on online educators and content developers. So you about pre-selling services, higher ticket items, so four, five to six figure services. If you're offering those kind of services, the process is about, there's a lot of it, there's a lot of my, uh, kind of nuances to it, Ian, but the number one thing is to understand it is, in my experience, absolutely not an automated one. It is not an outsourced one. Some people are doing this and some people will argue back that no my team's great i've outsourced my vas to warm people up and do five figure sales sure but the truth is if someone's going to buy this level of service five to six figures and presumably you're talking about uh several five figures as opposed to uh like 10k or so uh if it's five to six figures then then it absolutely in 100% in my opinion, should be done face to, not face to face, uh, manually between the two of you. So you are the interface point. You are the reason why they will buy. And it is all relationships uh, building. And so it's spending time with that person. But the actual process should be making sure you're building a, a solid connection. They see you as intelligent and a master of your space. And you need to show that in varying ways. So for instance, through social proof and testimonials and so on, but also by showing you understand what it is that they're talking about and that you understand your world too. be the authority on the space. Um, but you need to have the face-to-face the, the -face time with them. So if you can't do it in person, so it's a video call. And the truth is that the larger deals I've done, I've always been with those where I've had the opportunity to show them that I'm, I've um, got the wit that is required to understand what's, you know, what they need. Um, I've gone through a process of, process of asking questions. I've listened and showed I was, I was listening. And then, um, you know, I've shown I'm not about the deal. I'm not about just getting the money over the line because a buyer, especially with the, the higher ticket you go, Ian, a buyer will want to focus on the relationship and the thing that comes after the sale. You want to focus on the sale, sure, but you need to show that you're keen to actually focus on the thing that's going to happen, the delivery essentially of the service itself. So go all in in, in that and make it, <clears throat> for want of a better description, make it like almost incidental that sure there's a payment and a deal, but really it should be about what's going to happen when you work together. 
not how you work, but the process should be understanding what they're after, but then, then talking about how you're gonna help them when you're actually working together. There's a lot there, there is a lot to do, but it has to start with you getting on calls with people, video chats to make it as feel as human as possible, Ian. And like you should be setting a KPI, like I need to be doing three to five at least of these every day. Because, well, the question is, how many do you need? Like, do you need eight of these clients a month? If you do, well, then I need to be having those conversations each day. How do you get three video calls a day? Maybe for you, it might be 15 people you're doing DM conversations with in this client if you're bunkered down at home and unable to leave. And that's what I did when I started in, in 2014, 15 in, in Facebook. It was all DM to start with, 20 new ones every single day for a month and a half, I remember, pivoting into these video calls because you're looking for someone who just believes in you that much. And unless you're doing it face to face, you have to be doing it by video, in my opinion, because that's that's so much more trust required with the higher value deals. Um, ultimately, it's down to both the appetite of the person and their inclination to buy virtually uh, uh, to see whether or not you're gonna get them over the line without meeting in, in person. Some people are cool with it. Some people simply won't. They're just not built that way and it might be a previous issue they've had, they've been burnt in the past or they're just built that way. They want to do it face to face. They wanna look you in your eye and shake your hand. Um, but that's why you have a volume of approaches to make sure you don't really come across this problem quite as much uh, or that you can convert some at least uh, uh, that don't feel that way. Um, Ishmael Fazaluton313 on Instagram has said, how do you think business will be impacted by Corona? <clears throat> I don't know is the answer because we're, we're so, we're potentially really early in it. We're potentially not really early in it. And, and I was reading um, uh, the uh, blog of Sam Altman this morning. He's president of Y Combinator. And he, he was saying, you know, a lot of the um, <coughs> science, um, <coughs> excuse me, the science authorities he's spoken to have been talking about how this may be the tip of the iceberg. It may be that there's hundreds of thousands of deaths from something like this. It's very difficult to know. I do feel that although it was obvious common sense that you should wash your hands after being in public transport and you know things like that, I think culturally this is the kind of thing that might start taking hold. I feel that people will, if this is extended, if we have an elongated period of this uh, kind of lockdown, Ishmael, I think that you'll find more people will have to adapt to survive in a world where they're not doing business meetings face to face and not going to networking events and, you know, holding virtual events rather than physical ones. And as a result, you know, you're going to see that probably stick to a degree. I feel that will be the case. I think that a lot of people will um, find a way online, but it won't be that that's the way then because so many people are just built in a way they prefer the real life interfacing and, and not everyone's gonna suddenly pivot and do video-based content online as a way to generate inflow of, of interest. So it's gonna be a very difficult one, but I do feel that culturally there'll be a lot of change. And just like after 2008, I remember businesses really looked hard at themselves in terms of how they uh, mitigate against the risk of, of being 
totally blindsided by by a financial crisis and, and like like have they got enough money in the bank and can they survive these kind of things and and the 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 new questions will be asked for stress testing businesses ishmael like you know what happens if we have to work from home what happens if our workforce of 262 people cannot come into the office for three months. How does that actually look? Do we have the infrastructure for it? And so I think these are interesting new questions that we'll look, uh, we'll look at in terms of stress testing. There will be an element of shift, though, without question, <clears throat> and it will be more pronounced and stick more if you have people, if we have a situation that goes on a long time. You know, like I said, if we're under lockdown for the rest of the year, I don't know if we are, but if we are, then that will have a huge effect on how things change. Um, it will have an effect on how we travel. Airlines won't make it if we rank it to the end of the year, if we like this at the end of the year, for instance. Equally, if this thing is out the way before summer, then you'll be in a place where you've got um, uh, potentially a lot more of a sense of let's get back to usual, to normal then. And people, <clears throat> people, not a human being, but people, do tend to forget or not worry too much about something when that threat has disappeared. Uh, that's often how it can be. But again, we just we need to be aware that we don't know. So planning for the downside, planning for the worst, planning that oh it will be a, if you think it's I'll be over by the end of April, you're in potentially potentially a lot of danger. Just keep listening to the experts. Don't listen to the amateur virologist without question. People don't mostly don't know what they're talking about. So you have to be very careful where you get your news and, and, uh, and things from. I'm intending at the moment I'm doing this thing of not really listening to what everyone has to say, but paying, paying a lot of attention to what a very few amount of people have to say. Uh, Daniel Nunes here. I'm still attending South by Southwest through Zoom. It was interesting looking at Mobile World Congress, a huge mobile congress over in Barcelona, which, of course, shut down the other day. Um, but it still went ahead for some because they were like, look, we're here on the ground. I think Huawei, they were like, let's do it anyway. The president released a new product and a lot of people, journalists were there. They still had meetings and so on as well. So for many, it's still happening. Uh, and yeah, there's the virtual version for a lot of things. Um, uh, Daniel's also asked how on, on Facebook, how will travel and conference restrictions uh, affect EBL? So Entrepreneur Business Live, my event series, um, I've, as I've noted at the <clears throat> at the start of these these this live stream today, Entrepreneur Business Live Miami uh, and Amsterdam and the two London ones, they were the ones that were in the pipeline set to go. So Miami on the 16th of April and and um, 6th of May was going to be in Amsterdam. We have postponed them, so they are off. There are no Entrepreneur Business Live events right now, uh, and that is an indefinite. Um, uh, decision until such time that we can say, Do you know, it's safe to come out and have these events. Miami was going to be 160, 180 people uh, all in one room. If we did that now, and I'm guessing fairly safely that things will probably get worse in the next month from now because it would be it would be a month today that we're doing it in April 16th. Um, it'd be fairly irresponsible to do that. It wouldn't go down very well. Plus, I wouldn't be able to go because I'm not. I'm not in the uh, in the US. I'm not unable to travel there, according to Mr. Trump. So I do feel that um, we'll have to see how it goes. It's possible that we might do something virtually. We'll have to see. Um, but I think EBL uh, is a really wonderful um, concept because it because people need to network to do business. It's a really good idea, and it leverages that fact to drive money into charity. 
so I, I think you, there's no downside to that, in my opinion. If people are going to meet anyway, you might as well try and drive someone into a local charity. So it's, there's always good value in it. But right now, it's impossible to say how that looks. Um, culturally, we may move to a point where public gatherings just don't happen so much, but it's impossible to know because this has never happened before. So I have to see how it goes. Um, let's finish up by looking at the last few uh, points on, um, on LinkedIn. Thank you very much, those who are tuning in to David Moore. Basically risk management, essentially what I'm saying about that, that previous point. Thomas Atkins, uh, thanks Victor. Uh, Victor Hawkesitas is here, great point. I have to read through uh, these. Uh, Halatala, nice to see you on here as well. Um, Thomas Atkins is added, uh, I'm exactly like that Richard, as a startup I'm constantly thinking how do I make this new promo material for myself, how do I update my website, how do I finish a job, it's a great tip to start the day with new business, that's just back on my point of CEL, look at cash flow and customers first, if you are self-disciplined enough you will think about the things that matter first, when you're running your own business, this is what worked for me, <clears throat> it's like the most important thing is oxygen, because if I have a lovely polished admin complete uh, jo uh, uh, world, but I haven't focused on any generating any, any customer acquisition, I have to go get a, a job pretty quickly because I won't be able to make any money for my own business. So focusing on the things that matter first. Let's leave it there. I think it's been an interesting discussion. Um, I have no advice uh, directly on coronavirus other than listen to the right people. Do not listen to the amateur virologist. Be tremendously skeptical about what people are saying online uh, because most people don't know what they're talking about and are, you know, they are recycling and regurgitating second, third, fifth, twentieth hand information that they maybe have misheard to get from the source from the people who actually know what they're talking about. Um, Mirav Levine, just to finish, I think the struggle is a sense of urgency. Adapt immediately so we don't lose the opportunity while everyone else is adapting also. How fast do we need to pivot if we need to? Look, as I said, think about the worst. Think about the base on the basis that this is how it's going to be. This is the new status quo for months. And, and for me, what that doesn't mean is just can't go meet people. It means, actually, it means children at home as well, for instance. It means a little bit more strain on what food comes into the house and things like that. It means a lot of other things as well. So having all of that, managing that, it's a case of saying, imagine an, a fairly extreme version of what we've got. Are you ready for that? If not, so what does innovation need to look like? It's not necessarily working harder on what you currently do. It might be you need to adapt and find a different way of doing things instead, okay? Um, stay well, all of you, whatever, uh, wherever you are, and please uh, make sure you uh, take as much of the right advice as you can, and I hope to see you next week. Uh, in the meantime, thanks very much for listening. All of you, see you later on Instagram. Uh, see you also on um, Facebook.